Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam and Joel for another episode of Horror Express, and we're continuing with Schlocktober. I guess it's Schlockvember. I don't quite know what we were thinking when we named this, but <laughs> but we're doing Schlock in November, and tonight's movie is Puppet Master, a 1989 film. It's a full moon movie, I think. I'm pretty sure this was direct-to-video. I remember seeing it on video. Yeah, I don't remember it. seeing it in the theater. Um and 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 it's a it's a movie about a bunch of psychics that go to a hotel and get killed by puppets. That's basically the premise. Uh, I don't I don't know if we need to elaborate any further than that. Uh, plus plus it has Nazis somehow. It, it somehow has Nazis in the plot, even though they don't really factor in later. And and yeah, it be, there for a minute. yeah begin so the the beginning of the movie takes place in 1939, so that the puppet master, the originator, can die, and then it's set in the present day and. And uh, and even though there are Nazis in it, all of the movie takes place in California. So, um, you know, you know <laughs> yet it works. It all it all kind of works. So uh, I don't know. What, what do you guys think about this movie? I, 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 I it, this is not a movie that's ever come up in conversation for me since high school, I think. So I, I I'm curious what the world thinks of Puppet Master these days. I guess I'll go first since I, I thought I'd seen this movie, but I hadn't. So, yeah, I I really enjoyed this. This is definitely an appropriate movie for Schlocktober. I mean, it's it's a B movie, but it's made with such love, I think. And there's yeah. there's just this weird feeling of a larger world around it. Like, you know, you mentioned the Nazis are in it for some reason. There's all these kind of dangling threads off mm. the movie. Each of these psychics that comes there has a different background. And they're a different kind of psychic it just i mean you know i mean i guess there are like a million sequels to this so i guess there is a larger world to some extent but i haven't seen any of those so i can't comment but yeah i just enjoy it when a movie feels like there's more going on than just the plot you're watching and this movie kind of has that going on that is a really good feeling in this movie um also like I would like to point out, I've seen, I think, all of those sequels. Just as a kid, I would just watch them on sci-fi when they came on. Um, and for as many as there are and as schlocky as they are, they're all pretty tonally consistent. I mean, like, the the special effects are on par. The characterization is, like, consistent through all the sequels. So it never diminishes the size of the world. A lot of, I think a lot of horror movie sequels, like, have this this focusing effect where like everything becomes this one mono plot and mono yeah. character. And it's really like, it feels like things get smaller. This just feels like we're just going to a different place or a different time and seeing other parts of this mm. ironically huge move, like universe for a movie about puppets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, re- it really does. I mean, the, the first thought that I had uh, watching it again was, you know, this would make a great role-playing game, which I think is yes. kind of what gets into what Adam was saying, which is there's a yes. bigger world there, and uh, and, and not every movie. Different psychic character classes, for example. Yeah, you have your different psychic <laughs> character classes, and you also just have the sense of like this could be an endless universe to play in type thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, like this is just this is but one adventure that is 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 occurring here, and um. And also the 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 lore behind how the puppets work is so malleable that can be it can be applied in all kinds of ways and there's like mm-hmm. a, there's like a logic to the universe and and I don't know it's 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 very pinned to its time like it's definitely a movie of its time but in a good way you know some movies are dated and it's bad but this actually I felt like all the stuff that like oh yeah I know that's there because of the time it was made 
I was happy to see those things. So, uh, yeah. 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 This movie kind of exhibits some of the best of the, the not, it's not like the best of the nineties in terms of like the best and brightest, but kind of the, like the most comfortable, like if you're going to have nostalgia for the nineties, this is the nostalgia. you. Should well, have. and I would, I would, I would, I don't know that here. That's an interesting discussion. Is this an eighties or a nineties movie? Cause it came out in 89, late 89. Uh, this um, it's got the same kind of emotional vibe that you sort of feel in movies like, um, the never ending story, but it also has the same kind of vibe you would see in a lot of like sci-fi made for TV movie stuff. So yeah. I think this is like the crossing the gap movie when we're going from the eighties to the nineties. Well, uh, I consider it a nineties movie, even if it was technically made in the eighties, kind of like I kind of consider myself a nineties kid, even though I was yeah. born in the eighties. Like I remember the nineties, you know, first time yeah, I saw I a lot of these movies was in the 90s. So. I mean, yeah, I do. I suppose most of the franchise is in the 90s, too, considering it is such a long-lived franchise. So that complicates it there. Yeah, yeah I, t- I tend to think of it as an 80s movie, but I, I, I th- it's so on the cusp, and it is sort of part of that direct-to-video, which, again, yeah. that was in the it, 80s, but like that was yeah. uh, the 90s is when I remember really seeing all those direct-to-video horror movies. If you made me guess, I would guess this was an 80s movie. That would have been my blind guess on it. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, I don't know. Why don't we start with the effects? How did the effects land with you guys this time? Um, I mean, it's stop motion, you know. So if you like stop motion, because I'm a big Harryhausen fan, you know, I, you... you well, it's not I all mean, stop it's, motion. Some of it's definitely it, it is, animatronics. And oh, some man, of it is... Def- and some of it's forced perspective, too, right? So... Uh, so it, it's okay. So it's actual puppeteering of puppets in a movie about puppets, and it's great. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I exactly. I think, I think for a movie about puppets, stop motion is a far better choice than CGI. Not, not that it really yeah. would have been an, an option for this movie, but yeah, it's the perfect. The effects are perfect for what the subject matter is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I never had a moment where I was like, I sort of felt like there was a, a hand behind the puppet making it shake. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there was yeah. no moment wh- where I was torn out of it. I just bought the puppets reality. So whoever puppeteered them did a great job. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought, I mean, the to me, the effects were largely flawless. I thought that, uh, again, it, I file it under that same thing I've been saying, which is, you know, you know, CGI is terrible and practical effects are great. And I think this is well, an I mean, example. We've seen, we've all seen movies like this where the practical effects were complete garbage because yeah. they weren't done skillfully yeah but in this case it was incredibly skillfully done and so yeah but it's it's even more so and i know i don't think it was a like i think they intended this to appear in theaters and they didn't put it in theaters for some reason but like it's still a direct-to-video movie i'm pretty sure and so for that for that those level of effects to in direct-to-video is also a good thing because some of those direct to video films, uh, you know, really, yeah. really got lazy on the effects sometimes. Yeah. Um, but it, it does, it does goes back to a trend we've noticed too, is that, you know, we are dealing 1989 or at the peak of once again, yeah. the peak of practical effects before it all died. Yeah. So, you know, no. And, and the, th- but the thing is in the, in the discussion about that and like CGI, CGI is arguably at its peak. Do you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. it's peaking, but it's having, I feel like practical effects just got better and better and better. And I feel yeah. like CGI got better, but also worse at the same time. Do you know what I mean? And that's what 
is so yeah. off-putting about it to me. I think. Well, uh, I think you know. I mean, uh, with CGI, the best movies would practically are ones that combine the two. Yeah. Like you know, Jurassic Park has both mixed. Like the mm. Lord of the Rings movies have both mixed together, and it's like I think I think if you use both together, but pure CGI, no matter how good the resolution gets, there's just always going to be that weightlessness. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, one thing I really liked about this movie too was just the, the the pacing and the atmosphere were perfect for me. I was watching it, and I was like, I really wish more movies were paced this way still, because mm-hmm. I I think it was like thirty eight minutes before somebody even gets killed by a puppet, right? It was maybe even longer. It might have been longer than thirty eight minutes. Um, well, it comes out swinging with the guy killing himself instead of getting taken by Nazis. So I mean, like it gets your attention, but yeah. It takes its time. Like we've, yeah. we've had some slow burns on here, but oh man, this movie is patient as hell. Well, yeah, well, just the first move, I mean, that opening part too. A lot of that is like the the puppet sneaking through the hotel, and yeah. it take, it's it's it really takes its time yeah. with that kind of stuff too. I don't think a modern movie would do that. And what's great about that is it makes the location believable, which I think is yes. important because this is again. Like I was joking at the beginning, it's set in California at this hotel, and that would be very easy to not buy into that that venue because because it's sometimes when places are set in California like that, it feels like well, it's set in California because that's where movies are made. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like I feel like this was supposed to be set in New England, but they just set it in California. You know what I mean? But they yeah, they right. give this place its own lore and mythology and history, and they establish that, and that makes it feel real. And then they take the time to establish the characters, and then they take the time to establish the puppets too. And so everything mm-hmm. gets established, including the atmosphere. And so it just is a you you feel you feel like you're there with the characters it feels very familiar anybody who's gone on a vacation or gone to a hotel or anything like that you just kind of are you're lulled in by the familiarity of it and and it 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 does really feel like a hotel you are visiting for a weekend and that you're right there's that blend of it being something you're you're not really certain of but also kind of weirdly familiar because every hotel is kind of weirdly familiar yeah yeah well there's i mean that's 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 another advantage of that little prologue at the beginning in the 30s is you see the hotel alive with lots yeah. of people moving around and it's happening because it, a lot of movies just would have started oh we're at the hotel and it's empty yeah. and mm-hmm. it, it, it it just would feel cheap that like oh we couldn't afford extras the hotel's empty but it just makes it we, you sense the emptiness more when you've seen it alive so. yeah i agree with that that ju- and that juxtaposition also just works for again giving it its it's past and giving the monsters their past and yeah. you know uh and so i, I you know I, I i i really loved how 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 the the slow burn that the movie had and i love the way that the way this movie dealt with props was great like the, right from the opening you you can hear all the little clunks and dings and noises that every object <laughs> yeah. makes when it's being yes. handled that that just i don't know it, whoever did the sounds you know, design of this movie did a good job, I thought, because especially for a movie about puppets, I felt like that was important. I, I felt like hearing hearing like the locks turn and all that stuff mattered in this kind of a movie. Um, and I liked the initial setup, too, that we were talking about the um, the 1930s thing. I think it was what 1939 was the year that it opens up. Um, yeah. I, I liked that it created this ambiguity around the puppets because they don't really seem all that evil when you first meet them. They seem kind of, you know, like, like they seem like they're on the, 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 the opening of the movie is a, is definitely a reference to Nazis 
going after Jews and Jews being hidden in crawl spaces and closets and you, you know during during the the Nazi era. Do you know what I mean? So there's like two, there's two things going on because obviously I agree with you on that. You've also got just the sense it's also that Nazis trying to track down occult stuff because this yes. guy is obviously this alchemist who has the which goes into the larger world thing. It's like he's made these puppets, but he's also there's just a sense there's more magic to the world yeah. than just the guy who makes puppets you know it's mm. uh it's yeah so. but but what i'm getting at is that the that the, the puppets are very sympathetic in the in the early mm -hmm. shot because they they're, yeah. they're they're being it seems like they're being persecuted or hounded and they they have looks of desperation on them and which is yeah. you know given that these are just puppets that don't really have expressive faces <laughs> i thought that was interesting <laughs> that they were able to do that well, I think it, I think it's also the the actor a lot too. He just he, he just his his affection for these puppets. Yeah. You get really drawn into that affection that he's he has in that scene. So yeah, and and on the one hand, I was sort of like um, I wanted to see that theme appear again because I was like you know that's interesting. But at the mm -hmm. same time, I was like okay, if it's just for establishing things, that works too <laughs> because you know the you know again it is still a B movie. We don't necessarily need. Uh, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. but, but I, I, uh, I, I really, I really liked that it, uh, I don't know the, 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 the puppets, like, I don't know. Why don't we get into this part of the discussion now? Are the puppets, the bad guys in this movie? Like really like what, what, Ooh. how would you, how, how do you characterize these puppets? Cause I think it's no, complicated. I, I, I don't think they are. I mean, they, they, I mean, obviously they're alive to an extent, but largely they're being used by this guy. It's like, cause there isn't a sense of maybe they weren't bad when they were in the hands of this guy yeah. who made them, but then they get in the hands of this guy who it's, it's just portrayed as a horrible person in every possible way. So, and obviously they turn on him too at the end yeah. of the movie. Yeah. I almost so, feel like the, the puppets kind of have a golem thing going on. I think if we're going to Jewish mysticism, then that's an appropriate analogy to, mm -hmm. to which prepare. is, uh, yeah, though they do, though, uh, the movie, uh, takes the lore from Egypt, right? Like that's the explanation yeah. is Egypt. Yeah. Um, well, but again, though, if you're looking at like biblical references, like Egypt's yeah. and Jews have a lot in common in the old. Yeah. Testament, yeah. Right? No, no, I can definitely lot. see the that line. Relationship does sour, but. Yeah. I, I, and I don't, I don't know what they're. The Bible. I don't know. And I, I don't know if, if they, if they were consciously thinking of that line or not, but that does make sense. Um, but the thing that I notice in that scene when they turn on the puppet master is they're, they're rejecting, like they're morally bothered by what he's doing. Do you know what I mean? Like once he starts attacking Alex, the puppets, that's when the puppets really start to react, right? Is, is when, when he's, uh, uh, when he's when he's got Alex on the ground and he's punching him and you know you you start to see them how like one of the puppets gets that like a, uh, yeah and and this is after they have killed people yeah like, violently hideously killed people uh, so no you're you're right and a theme that comes in some of the the sequels as well is these guys are cool with punishing evil like that's kind of their thing hmm. they're not really evil puppets though they're just they they look evil because one of them has like needles for eyes and such. Yeah, because in the in in the beginning of the movie, you can tell that these puppets have will. They have a they have like personality. They're not just they're not just puppets uh, or instruments of somebody else's actions, right? Like they 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 have some kind of agency. But but yeah, I don't know. I, I so but but whenever a movie does stuff like that, it's interesting because on the one hand, you have to make 
the meat of the movie is people being killed by the puppets, right? So you have to make right. that menacing. Yeah, so. and so, and so what what it, what it, what what is interesting about this movie is that it does make that menacing, um, but also it provides enough space for you to not blame the puppets by the end of the movie. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. there's, and I th- I think that's an interesting thing to do. Um, I, it doesn't hurt that the the puppets only kill assholes that I wanted to see die. Like that helps. Well, the psychics are jerks. I, I, I didn't want to see um what was her name? Dana die. I was I was a little sad about Dana going. Um it's 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 tough to say. I mean it's uh yeah, I mean Dana I don't Dana's a complicated character. It's like we have that whole scene of her being like just really <laughs> nasty to megan for no particular reason but i mean yeah there's nothing about it that's like she deserves to die or anything and uh, i don't know about the couple too like the couple did you guys feel they didn't they needed to die i i so wanted them to die so so here's my feeling of the couple they didn't actually do anything bad that i remember but the the camera kept telling me they were bad do you know what i mean they were they were were sketchy but i just never i never got to a point of uh thinking they were no, I, I, evil. <laughs> no, and they they were actually. I saw them as kind of embodying like the hedonism of the eighties. Like they just that that sort of seemed to be the vibe that they were giving off was just kind of like a almost like a yuppie, you know, West Coast yeah. sort of vibe. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I, mean, I think they were trying to they were trying to get an incredible evil dark power for themselves who rule the world yeah. with they, they that's true yeah I forgot oh yeah yeah he does have the whole line about how he'd rule the world so there is that right. no, there is that I, and i think they don't maybe are they maybe aren't like true evil like our actual puppet master character but they're definitely like at least narcissistic and wretched yeah so i'm cool with them getting stabbed but yeah, data but data was kind of sweet in her way that, line, that 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 aspect D- of them so you are you are correct like dana was in love with alex you could tell right so like she like there was just like well, I, I'm I sure the way he's flirting with i don't know i love might be a strong i'm movie. i'm gonna go out on a limb and sus- i suspect okay. i mean i i'm not basing it on anything except maybe you know just sort of my impression I, okay. but I'm going to surprise everyone and agree with Brendan here and say she probably is a complex enough character to have. That's a legitimate reading. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a legitimate reading. I'm not going to question that. But... Oh, no, but I usually do. and I'm just going to not this time. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're agreeing with my uh, my analysis of Dave. I'm going to pour myself another glass of holiday. Cheer but I, but I found her character. I found her character very charming. No, I think the reason why I thought she was in love with him is because she was supplying him with like charms to help ward away evil and you know so continue <laughs> so yeah I, I i don't know i forget where i was going with that but i but i think that uh I, yeah I, no I, I get where you're going with that she was looking out for him definitely there, i mean there, yeah there's definitely a, le- a, a real level and, of affection there and, no and also she just kind of died so awful like you know just to have your throat yeah. slit like that was just kind of a terrible way for her to die um, I not maybe not as bad as having your face drilled out or uh, or yeah, leeches I, killing you, but I, I it's up there. Puts the, the, her, her being really nasty to Megan thing. If she sees her as a threat to her, you know, because Alex yeah. is clearly attracted to Megan, so I guess in that context yeah. too, that yeah, she might have been yeah. like possessive and self centered, and I mean, yeah. she had like a sense of possessiveness over her dog who had, I mean, passed on. So I think maybe that's the character flaw we're meant to see there. Again, not irredeemable, not like true evil, but not 
I mean, not uh, as morally. Um, so what's the term I'm looking for here? Like maybe not as morally like put together as Alex, you know? Well, yeah, obviously the difference is I, the thing that's interesting about Alex is Alex has psychic powers, but his job is he's just the professor. Whereas yep. everyone else is doing some kind of grift with their powers. Yeah. And he's just like a guy is like, yeah, I have weird psychic dreams that come true, but I just have a, a respectable day yeah. job. <laughs> Which well, is really I mean, more complicated by the dreams. Yeah. Very respect. He works at Yale, right? That was his. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, he does, doesn't yeah. he? Oh man, no yes. joke. So I mean, so it also that also kind of probably made me more sympathetic to Dana's plight because I felt like maybe part of the rejection was a a gulf between them in terms of you know what I mean? Yeah, she's um, a carnival psychic. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, she, she probably wouldn't be somebody he'd want to bring to the Yale. <laughs> parties you know what i mean um, no yeah, yeah. you do fortune readings yeah. over great. <laughs> i'm sure it would um but uh oh it looks like all of your attractive colleagues are going to die hideously but uh but i i did like the scene where she even though she's a real psychic she's obviously like like bamboozled yeah she would yeah she would like though like she yes. was offering up readings that were not valid she was it was the the well, classic sort of you know, your brother is, and then they read the person's face and then they change it based on the reaction, you know? Yeah, cold yeah, reading. I like yeah. that, because it's like, yeah, it's like she has psychic powers, but they're, they're unreliable, so it's yeah. like, she's got to make a living with it. She's got to go into BS territory <laughs> just to make it a reliable yeah. day job, so that was a nice yeah. touch. And I, well, and I like, also, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. We, don't, we don't get the knowledge that she's an actual psychic until later in that scene, so we're just yeah. kind of drop into this this clear grift and then all yep. of a sudden real psychic powers happen and she's like oh yeah i've got to go yeah yeah that was cool i thought that was really cool and i like um and i think the southern accent was a nice touch for her character it really kind of it, it, it made the bitterness a lot yeah. more smooth uh i'm sure okay, i mean so maybe it, i wanted to see her die because that reminded me of my grandmother she had the same thing where she'd be super nice with that southern accent to your face and it would just be all cobra venom afterwards <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, um, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe the accent is it the same grandmother that was in Poltergeist? I'm trying to make sure if we've got. Oh, that's right. Grandma. Okay. You know, <laughs> I have a southern great grandmother as well, and I can, I can. So you know. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I'll I'll share some stories later. I don't want to bog down the podcast with uh with okay. family stories, but uh, y'all missing but, out. But that, I mean, that was probably, I mean, I'm guessing that was that not a real Southern accent, guys? I, I don't, I kind of sense. I'm from Oklahoma. I looked it up. So oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. It's I don't pretty know. convincing. It was a little bit of a melange of Texan and Alabama, but it wasn't okay. bad. It was okay. all right. But yeah, I like that. I, I like that. I, I felt the Yale guy could have used a little bit more of an accent, to be honest, because he did not sound like somebody who yeah. works at Yale. You know what I mean? I mean, granted, people from all over the country work at Yale, but I feel like when you... When you when you hear somebody on the radio or on television who works at Yale, there's like a Yale style well, that this is... movie is so pulpy that you really want everyone to embody the stereotype they inhabit. Yeah, you yeah. Know? It's like you don't want to go. Oh, well, he's from Yale, but you know he went to school in Stanford, and yeah. you know. <laughs> so, so I, I, I so, I, I think the thing that does make this movie work is the characters, and we've talked about Dana, so. And I guess I don't know. Have we talked about Alex enough? Do we still need to discuss Alex's? Uh, Is there a lot more going? I mean, that dream we haven't really discussed. The dream he keeps the, having. The dream where he sees um, Megan about to get shot by. Uh, oh God! What or, was his name? Or 
stabbed or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, like, and I actually I like that dream a lot because it it introduces our antagonist who's barely in the movie otherwise, and it makes him loom over the whole thing. Yes. And so when he does show up and he's horrific, like it's kind of great. You know, you've been expecting it the whole movie, and it's a really good payoff because yeah. of that. Um, also, I think dream sequences in movies are creepy, so. and it and it helps plant a couple of things. Like the leeches are part of oh, one of his. Oh like, god, yeah. He wakes so, up and he's got the leeches. Yeah, and so, then he wakes so, up again. Um, so so it works from that yeah, angle. Well, I, I, yeah, as someone watching it for the first time, I was like leeches. Well, you know, and he's got leeches. Like, what have leeches got to do with puppets? How's yeah. that going to fit into? And then I find Ed, out yes. like, those leeches start coming out of the puppets. But I'm like, oh, there are the leeches. <laughs> yeah. That's oh horrifying. man, that's an intense scene too. Because yeah. like you can tell that they're really pushing something that looks exactly like a leech through that puppet's head. Uh, it might have been an actual leech for all we know. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and that's like, it, yeah, it that practical, practical effects over CGI. If those were CGI leeches, you would not have that. You, you wouldn't feel a thing. But like, no, you could see the puppets. Like, they clearly have like a rubber stand-in head, yeah. but its head is like stretching around the size of this enormous <laughs> leech. It's getting shoved out of it. I was like, oh god, bulimic the, leech puppet. That's too much. These were these were stand by me level leeches, right? Like this was oh, like yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was that level of ugh. Um, but yeah, yeah, we should talk about the couple next too because I guess that is that ties that brings us directly to the leech <laughs> discussion. Um, that uh, what were their characters' names? That was um, uh, Neil and uh, no, Neil was the uh, the bad guy. Oh at no, the end. that's right. Sorry, sorry. It was yeah, Frank, Carissa and Frank. Yeah, Frank and Carissa. Yeah, so Frank and Carissa, which I I don't know. In a, in a way, they're not that important, but they kind of make the movie. Do you know what I mean? Like they kind of yeah. give the movie its vibe, and uh, I think I think what they bring to it is like the exploitative elements of pulp and the fun and like a little bit of sleaze that kind of, I don't know. It's an important thing to know that that's the world that these characters are in. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it is. And again, it's one of those things that kind of shows us that there's more going on in the world than just these psychics and these puppets and this thing. Those people, these people clearly come from a different like culture with different ideas about things. Yeah. So great. And and Frank is kind of like the alpha of the group too, so that's why oh, yeah. you know um, I, I love to hate those two. Yeah. I did. And well, he's clearly an alpha. The, I, I think the best scene for him in terms of character development or explanation was when they show him chewing on the shrimp. I don't know why, but that scene <laughs> just kind of really crystallizes his character for me. Um, I think my favorite scene of his was when he was tied up on the bed, and she was like, "You don't have to do, you don't have to do anything," and he was like, "Yeah, awesome!" Like he was so 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 into it yeah there's something about his like complete abandon and into that that's really compelling that scene so number one we should explain to people that their whole thing is is like she has some sort of weird emotional connection to objects and places where she can kind of feel residual emotional energy and it's usually sexual in nature and I think Frank has kind of exploited that in their research. Like that seems to be the direction that most of their research is taken. So they're kind of like psychosexual, uh, not ghost hunters, but psych. Like I don't know what you would call it, but like the, yeah, like, I mean, like ghost hunter is a fine term, but yeah, they their method is it just happens to be wild, coked out '80s sex. Yeah, it, is it, how they channel the spirits. And so 
like it's clearly a dubious setup, but there's a like there's it's, a true legitimacy to it, and it's such a uh, unhealthy but functional relationship. You you can't help but just look yeah. on it with this mixture of revulsion and envy. Well, it's clearly there so they can have boobs and orgasms and just things that they want to pepper into the movie to keep people attentive and all that stuff and draw in an audience. But at the same time, that scene, number one, there's all these little jokes. Like he's like, I think he says, okay, sexual experiment 517A. And so they not just 517, (laughs) but 517A, which puts a huge question mark over how many of these they could, because that could be A to G, that could be A to Z. This could be like the this could be like the seven thousandth, you know, sexual yeah. experiment that they've been performing. So I thought yeah, that was like was, a funny joke. Um, yeah, no, nobody does so much evidence these have actually gathered. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. But yeah, I mean, just you know, her her line too. It's like, oh, this is a movie star bed, you know, yeah. and it's just it's just her excitement at that. It's like it's like I say, it's 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 clearly you know why this is in the movie, yeah. but it also seems like, oh yeah, it's like being able to channel yeah. these celebrity <laughs> sex it, encounters. It's like, it's just something like, okay, like, it, I can kind of see that being something. Well, and, and it, it has its own like, logic to it, right? It has like yeah, logic yeah. and rules. So yeah. it, it has logic, it has rules. And like, I could, you know what, if I could do it, I probably would. So it's not like I said. It's a mixture of revulsion and envy because you're just like, ah, oh, that's gross. I can't believe you're. But at the same time, you know, I get it. Well, and then they use it skillfully to turn it into something horrifying because you know, yes. st- you know. So, and that's what's so clever about it is they put they, you know, the guy get like the scene that you described. She ties him up in the bed and says, "I'm going to do everything," which is you know, you know, you know that that's sort of how they lure the viewer in. And then you realize this guy's tied up to the bed when the puppets make their appearance. And there's nothing he can do, and and so and so you know so what follows is uh, Carissa gets you know her head drilled in by what's his name a guy with a drill on his head yeah but he's got a, he's got a, they, all the pup, yeah the puppets all have little names um, and and then so you have this horrible thing happen and then like that this sexy little puppet comes out and starts acting all seductive and it becomes a humorous scene. That then shifts again to horror when she starts vomiting up these leeches onto him. So it's oh it, it's it, it's really it's like a it's like got everything that you want in a horror movie all in one scene. Do you know what I mean? It's just like all the little things that drew in you know you know Brendan to watch horror movies when I was young. <laughs> those are all there in that scene. And and I got, uh, and I it, got boobs. I got comedy. I got horror. I got hideous body horror. It's, I'm in. It's it, the the moment that sells it is when the little when the female puppet shows up and you're like, oh my god, yeah. they have. It's like Gremlins two kind of did this where they, but it was a joke where they have like the sexy gremlin woman who you know, <laughs> it, it it was sort of like that, but I thought a lot more skillful because it, I don't know, there's just something about that puppet was so funny, but the scene was like this guy is about to die. Do you know what I mean? And so, well, it's. Kate, you're right. It's this amazing blend of like comedic Muppet level timing and joke with a, like just another wonderful addition to our horrible cast of monster puppets. Yeah. A great death scene. And it's someone you want to see killed. So it's yeah. just like such a wonderful horror scene. And I love he mistakes the leech for some kind of sex toy or something. <laughs> and so, so it's, so it's like the whole scene. It like starts out as like a, a, a pleasurable thing for him and then it becomes horror you know it's like a slow boil type of thing yeah. 
So I thought that scene was that scene was great. That scene was um, it, it had me that in stitches. A, it's a gem of a scene. Yeah. If you watch this movie, at least watch that one scene. Yeah. It's like what is it? Eight minutes long. It's worth your time. The, you you have to do so many things in a movie to have a scene like that in it. Do you know what I mean? There's there's, just, there's so many other things that have to be done right before you can get to that point, or it just pops out of nowhere and it doesn't work. But here it was like it it actually made total sense that that's what happened in this moment um, and the fact that they earned that tone is a monumental feat of cinema yeah, yeah I, I i i i was again i just thought it was so funny it was just like you know you th- this is the kind of horror movie that it's a good horror movie it'll kind of scare you but it also has these comedic beats that are just you know hysterical um well, there's something there's always kind of a blend of comedy when it comes to having little like puppets or Muppets or something in your movie. And they're literal puppets this time. Yeah. And by embracing the, the actual funny and adorable aspects of them, they're able to kind of draw you in. So when it gets horrifying, you're not really prepared for it. All the horror always struck me as fresh and stomach churning in this movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's an impressive effect. Honestly, this movie is, I think, this is as good as the direct-to-video horror movies get in that, like, when we were doing the... like, And now we kind of remember all of the good ones, I suppose, and maybe the bad ones are, like, good-bad movies or they're forgotten or they're cult classics. They show up on Red Letter yeah. Media or something like yeah. that. Yeah, but uh, back then, I remember, like, you know, you'd sit through nine pretty trashy, terrible movies to get to one Puppet Master, and it was... This mm. is, like, this is the kind of movie that you were you were hoping for when you when you rented those those direct to video horror movies, um, you know, because because it, it, it really could it could have been shown in a theater, and I think it would it would have been a you know a theater horror movie. It does it's not it it's not something where you watch it and you immediately sense that it's direct to video. It uh you know yeah it it kind of reminded me of that old movie Cat's Eye, the one that was one of the Stephen King mm. short stories. It's the same thing where it's like I'm not certain if that movie got a theatrical release, but I could I could buy it, but I could also buy it being direct to video. Yeah, it definitely. I, I agree with that. I, I think, um, and and so yeah, I I I think that it's um, I don't know the, the it, it's it's a it's not as schlocky as I remember. I think you know no, it's schlocky. It's, it's, it's a lot. I, of I, I always hear it schlocky in the sense that it is very pulpy. It's yeah, like it's very deliberately pulpy so it's like i feel it's schlock but in the best possible sense yeah yeah because the schlock i was i was thinking about it well in what ways is this movie schlocky uh, court like some of the acting occasionally felt a little bit schlocky um, i know i and i did feel that i felt like but it felt like it was it was pitched at being like schlocky acting in a very deliberate sense like a yeah. lot of these people in this movie have done serious movies yeah you know, it's not like everyone here is is a nobody who just kind of gets thrown in. So it's, I feel like there is an intention of schlockiness. Yeah, because yeah, even even the Carissa character who would normally be like, you know, like the the actress would be kind of like a coked out ditzy person <laughs> delivering lines in a monotone voice or something in a lot yeah. of in a lot of schlock movies. Yeah, she she was you know she she had pretty good command of that character. I thought. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, and I mean, if, if any, if any, I think the weakest one was maybe actually Alex and he wasn't even that weak. It's just something about his characterization felt a little, yeah, a little off to me. I think it, it might've been the hair. Milksop. Yeah. Uh, the, the hair did not help. Yeah. At all. He, he was a little bit of a milksop, but I don't know. 
he didn't feel totally inconsistent. He just felt like he was like a less like all all the characters had a little bit of an exaggeration to them that made yeah. them kind of entertaining. And like with Alex, what was exaggerated? Nothing really. His, his meekness, his averageness was was yeah, exaggerated. So not great. Yeah. It, it wasn't. If they maybe made him a little more troubled, like a little more outwardly troubled about his yeah. dreams or something, or having some kind of conflict, like you were mentioning the the societal conflict, like he's a Yale professor and he hangs out with a bunch of like scrubby weirdo psychics, that would have been cool tension to have built up because like yeah. maybe yeah. he feels like these are his real friends, but yeah. he can't really connect with them yeah. because he lives in a different world. That would have been great, wasn't there? Um, yeah, I think I think I think uh, what what Brandon said earlier. You, they could have played up the whole, you know, Bostonian Yaley. Oh yeah, that would have been that would have that would have even even without adding those conflicts, that just would have given him a little more. Yeah, because it's almost it's almost like easy, but it's I feel like if they made him a little snobby or something, it would have made the character pop a little bit more. Maybe they didn't want to make the audience reject him because you have to kind of we are killing characters for admittedly minor character flaws in this movie and the movie acts like yeah they deserve to die yeah so okay so maybe they had to make him kind of a christ figure and more or less flawless but unfortunately they removed any any sense of like flavor from him he's he's the mayonnaise sandwich of the movie Mm -hmm. he'll fill you up i guess whatever yeah yeah he felt yeah he felt very i don't know just just very vanilla and 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 not i don't know something about something about the look just and not not the actor's face or anything just the look that they gave him in the movie kind of yeah. was, yeah, was like the suit was also about that yeah. weird cream color so. it, it was just i don't know the actor wasn't bad and that's the thing when the actor had a chance to do something like emotionally react to the dreams and such like he was yeah, fine he was him. fine yeah. yeah he was a good actor just he, that was an underwritten character. It's all I think. I, I think it's like the the George Lucas effect, where like you know, yeah. the, the, just the the whatever the direction was being given to him is what led him to that you know, yeah. to that yeah. path. Um, but uh, but yeah. So uh, I don't know what uh, what have we not covered about this movie? We we need to rank the puppets in order of our favorites. Go. Okay, that's a fair thing. All right, so. Um, First of all, what puppets do we have? We've got Pinhead, right, with the giant hands. I've got the list in front of me. There. Yeah, yeah, give Blade, us the list. Drop Blade, that list on us. Jester, Pinhead, Tunneler, Leech Woman, Shredder Khan, and Genji. So I'm not sure. Shredder Khan and Genji. I don't think Shredder Khan and Genji are in this one. Okay, maybe they've. Yeah, I was gonna say I've, I was kind of getting lost there at the end too. Maybe they added ones from other movies into uh, this description. Let me see if we can get some pictures of these guys. Yeah, um, Pinhead is uh, like, uh, just... big old hands, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's big hands, guys. Pinhead. Yeah, uh, Blade, of course, is the guy that looks like Mingala. He looks like a kind of a Michael Jackson spy bad guy. Oh God, he does. Yeah, it looks like the spy shagged the other spy, and so they get like a spy spy. Um, so the leech woman, obviously, uh, this is the leech woman. Self, a tunneler's guy with the drill on his head. So I'm gonna go with uh, my number one is leech woman. I think leech woman was the best puppet. Yeah, leech woman. Yeah. Well, leech woman is definitely the most horrifying. No question. No question. Um, For a horror and, movie, he's and, the best. And I and do, are we gonna? Do you want us to go down our list individually, Joel? Or are we gonna each gonna rank yeah, let's, one? I mean, like, do your favorite, but like, but like, g- give us, give us some, give us like some a top three or something. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, what's, what's your top? What, what's your favorite? 
your your second favorite and your your one you're disliked. We'll okay, my that. okay, my favorite we'll is Leech Woman. My second favorite has got to be Blade because he just looks like the oh, Gaunt Man. So was he the inspiration for the Gaunt Man? For I don't know why. Just maybe he was. Know. I don't know. Um, but uh, I I like his look. I just I don't know. I just something about that look really fits. And mm -hmm. uh, I think Pinhead is the one that annoys me the most. And oh, you don't like Pinhead? I I, I don't I don't like characters that do that i don't like the little tiny head on the big body thing that always kind of bothers me uh it just, just i don't know it just feels for those weird. of you without a visual it, it, brendan is this huge swole dude with this <laughs> tiny head so i think that yeah, that's a, a, a very accurate description <laughs> of what i, I look like, like. <laughs> <laughs> so but uh so i i don't think i've ever been so so marred publicly with a, a characterization <laughs> of my appearance but um <laughs> but anyways no pin it i just don't like the look something about that is maybe that's the point but i find it off-putting so i don't like it um but blade is cool and leech woman is awesome pinhead's a disappointment i think in general leech woman might just be the best of them as far as like blending maybe some of the funny elements because like you're yeah. right she's like a they they play her off and they introduce her as the sexy puppet <laughs> and there's something that's so wonderfully delightful about that maybe this is some kind of holdover from miss piggy or something like that but yeah I, yeah there's a miss piggy that. that's that's the best that's the best connective point i think is she, there's a miss piggy thing going on with this character that that and works she goes full cronenberg on your ass and like yeah. it's the entire spectrum of things i love from the most like childish innocent to the most horrific and scarring and i'm like oh, they're all bodied right. in one puppet yeah, yeah you're right like, shivers, shivers by cronenberg you're right yeah. so that was what was triggering in the back of mm. my mind watching that yeah yeah i'm just drunk enough to be getting all these references on point <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but uh yeah i guess my choice is i have to go with leech woman first mm. uh man it's tough to pick between blade and uh and pinhead they are both it's well, it's tough for me okay, to put so, one above the other it, it is and for me it's almost like comparing apples to oranges because they're cool in such different ways yes you know like pinhead has the best look oh no not pinhead, uh blade is the best look like he's the iconic yes. evil puppet yeah. right but Pinhead's practical effects are super cool. They actually got a little person to do his hands in the scenes where he's uh, grappling uh, people, and uh, it looks awesome. Well, it's yeah. There's something really. He's he's both ridiculous and kind of scary. The way he can handle people with his hands and so on. It's like whoa. It just it it makes him threatening, and he, he that, just is is frightening in a really goofy way. I will I will agree with that point. The the one of the problems that this movie suffers from is you have the little tiny puppets that are supposed to be strong enough to kill people, and that's yeah. not always easy to believe in. If you see a puppet just go like they kind of have to do the thing where it's from the the puppet's point yeah. of view, so that they don't have to deal with you know how just yeah. how is this puppet killing this full grown adult? But with Pinhead. Because he's got these gigantic arms, he can strangle a person and he can handle them, and it makes it, it bridges that his, gap. Where his fist is reeling back to <laughs> punch, and it just punches right into the camera, and you believe it when you're seeing it, and then the second later, you you see like the little puppet doing it, and you're like, "This is the funniest, <laughs> coolest thing I've ever seen in my life." 
Okay. It was like Raging Bull with the Muppets. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, honestly, Blade, aside from his look, too. I mean, the fact he does have blades, too. I mean, all this little actually thing under your look. bed with knives is, like, still really pretty terrifying. Yeah. Well, I think that some of the knives can't really even realistically hurt you. Like, his horrible needle eyes. Like, they're yeah. set back in his skull yeah. so they couldn't actually poke anyone. I don't care. His eyes are knives. Yeah. Well, and also the effect that those eyes have is sometimes he's kind of got, like, personality in his face, and sometimes he looks almost soulless. Do you know what I mean? It's like, depending on, 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 the, on the eye motion. So I feel like, you know, that was kind of just a cool little touch to the character. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll give I, my, my, my honorary mention to is the one that uh, the one that has like the three segments to his. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Spin around. Yeah. That's he doesn't do anything cool enough to make me put him in my top three. But just the puppet itself is very cool. No, he, he, he adds story. a lot to the movie. He's really yeah, important. It, he to felt the movie. very Brothers Quay to me is what he felt like their animation. He was um, I mean, he he's part of the thing that really. The old man is playing off of that puppet at the very beginning. Do you know what I yes. mean? And that's really important. And then that's the puppet that kind of c- helps us understand, wait, these puppets are like have a problem with what this puppet master is doing right now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. He yeah. does have that. He is the one at that pivotal moment where yeah. they start to turn. It all rotates around him. You're right. Yeah. So I... his head rotates around itself. Exactly. <laughs> It's uh so yeah it's, it's the moral barometer of the puppets. <laughs> but I thought I so I you know I I I I wouldn't have put him on my top list but I definitely think he was a you know a good uh mm-hmm. there's something about him that that works well, for the, the movie. Well the weird thing in my estimation is that he's the best like pure puppet because he doesn't have a gimmick he's just a puppet. Yeah. His face <laughs> flips around whatever. Yeah, he's kind of the most believable in terms of what like that's the sort of thing you would expect to see but a a puppet like Blade might be a little bit more. Yeah, that's hmm. an unsettling puppet. <laughs> yeah. Or like Leech Woman, until she the leeches come out, yeah. she seems like maybe a little bit gothed up. Yeah. Then the leeches happen. You're like, ah, oh, nope, I'm out. Checking yeah. out of this puppet show. And Drillhead's got the same problem where I don't buy or yeah. Tunneler. I don't buy Tunneler as just like a puppet. Like there's something. Yeah. Those are two ideas that don't mesh, yeah. right? He's just yeah. like, he, what does he look like? He looks like Hugh Laurie. Kind of, <laughs> you he's know, a, and he's got a drill on his head. It's a, such a weird. It's a. It's, it's a really cool. Strange I mean, there thing. is something cool about it. It's just that it's. Uh, I don't know. There's something really weird about it too. And also, like I didn't well, like know a how banana to banana gun. Like if you had a gun that was also a banana and you like peeled it and took a bite of it and shot someone, it's like okay, that's definitely novel. But what? Well, the thing is, it's like when Carissa gets killed, you almost don't know how to feel about it because it's like, wait a second, did he just drill through her face? Like it was just a very, uh, it was a very odd kill in the movie, and it, and it's kind of one of the most important early. Pretty, it it is it's important. It's actually pretty horrible because you can hear like her bones getting yeah. like torn mm-hmm. apart by this drill, and you're like, oh my god, yeah. and then her feet are spasming. So the the implied violence is quite horrible. Yeah. Also, a puppet with a drill on his head did it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, so, um, but yeah, and I and I do like. Uh, oh, you know, we didn't talk about we didn't talk about the bad guy who uh, who I think looks like a demented, taller Martin Short. That's sort of how I. Ooh, you know, that's not a bad, not a bad. Yeah, that's that's yeah. pretty on point, Brendan. I got to hand you that one. Yeah. yeah. That's, 
But uh, but yeah, he was an interesting character because, like you said, he's sort of he's just like a dead body for most of the movie, you know. And then uh-huh. and then uh, and, and you know, you suspect he's not just a dead body. Dana really tips us off, but even before she does that, you just have this bad feeling, like okay, yeah, maybe the puppets are moving this guy around, but I don't know. This just feels like we're being set up for something more. And there's yeah. the dream and all that, you know. So. Uh, he's- He's got a really good eerie presence, which I like. Um, and, and like the, the thing is, he's almost comically exaggerated as a villain, and yet there wasn't a moment when he felt artificial. It was—it's really quite a dynamite performance. I really liked it. Well, I think the comical stuff adds to it because it makes him feel demented. Even you know, it's like that's what's menacing about him is that, geez, what the—I don't even know what this guy wants and likes i just know that he's killing people with a smile on his face from what i can tell yeah um, really you know, creepy smile it's a great psycho smile and he's like a ladies man but he's like a you know using it for nefarious means and like it's just this there's just something about him that's like like off-putting but attractive at the same time and i think that's the uh you know again which is usually what you kind of need in a villain that's you know you want you you yeah. you, you, you want to uh, you want to you want to be drawn enough to a villain to listen to what they're saying, right? But you want to be scared by them at the same time. Yeah, well, so. he's also a villain who got where he is through his charm too. So it yeah. has to be believable. If he was just a pure total creep, you'd be like, "Well, wait, why did Megan marry yeah, this yeah. guy?" Yeah, and you have well, to I believe can't... that Megan is upset about it when all this stuff is revealed too. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh man. A very a good villain, and like again, not in most of the movie, but the part of movies that he he is in, he seems threatening and yeah. scary. And even though again, he's kind of comedic, it's almost like a Joker kind of comedic, where yeah. you yeah. will sometimes legitimately laugh at a good portrayal of the Joker, but then he'll melt someone's face off with acid, and you're like, ha ha, yeah. ha oh my god! So yeah. you know, you know what? Too, he looks to me, he looks enough like Frank that you could easily like when I like. When I first saw this, I don't remember knowing if those dream sequences were him or Frank. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel oh, like, yeah. um, so just in terms of the casting, I think it, it worked for that reason too. Um, by the way, that that scene in the, I think the second or third dream sequence where she's dancing with him and he's got the phantom mask on, that to me was like the most dated sequence in the film, I thought. That was like, like dated towards the 80s why so because that's like right after phantom of the opera was on broadway and all that stuff and i I feel like there was um i don't know like like that was kind of a thing that was it's almost like if you danced out there in a a rum tum tugger costume he's a curious cat (laughs) you lost me with that reference so you're gonna have to uh, (laughs) oh man i'm so I'm so glad well, that I lost the movie movie now to catch Brendan up. But, uh, oh, I never saw oh, Cats. I and I'm never going to see it. So uh, <laughs> the the movie or the musical have zero appeal to me. But is that that I was a cat? I've just absorbed enough by osmosis. So, but Phantom of the Opera, I actually liked as a kid. Um, but but that was in the air. What well, that was that came out what eighty seven? The Phantom of the Opera, the the musical. Was it? Uh, it sounds about right. I, I think it was. I mean, it, it's possible. It was definitely around in the 80s. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that, I don't know, I feel like masks like that were kind of in the air in 89. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that was a, yeah. you yeah, know. I, I, I think you're on to something there. 
That's unfortunate. It, it felt a little more timeless to me because the Defender of the Opera, I'm a little more conversant with is the the movie they did, the Andrew Lloyd Webber or whatever it was. Oh, um, the one that came out a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. The, well, the two thousand something. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, well, we're, it we're both talking about Andrew Lloyd Webber. We're just talking about the Broadway Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, because that was the, the movie of it by Andrew Lloyd Webber. Because the movie had the same music in it. It was just edited down a little differently, and you know. Mm-hmm. Um, right, but I mean, like. I, that that mask has been in the cultural consciousness for a while, is all I'm saying. Like, okay. it, it, oh, yeah. Mask, so. it, it, no, but that, that it just was the association. And, and, and by the way, that was he wasn't actually wearing the... The mask he was wearing is probably closer to the old silent Lon Chaney mask, which is more of a full face mask. But, mm-hmm. um, but just the idea of a mask like that being sort of a romantic and horror thing to have in a film do you know I mean it just seemed like well yeah you don't yeah. you don't see that as a cultural reference very much uh, anymore mm-hmm. i'll grant that mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah so i don't know uh what, what are our parting thoughts on this film i was not prepared for this movie to be this good i honestly i was i was strapped in for some real schlock i was like okay it's direct to video i saw this when i was a kid and i loved it so it's got to be garbage uh <laughs> it's it's literally about puppets killing people how how this is going to be great it's a wonderful disaster and nah this is a competent sober in, intelligent well-crafted film it's well acted with compelling characters and a rich interesting world and a, a tight and concise story that that has beautifully uh, realized emotional beats. This movie, I'm so mad that it's so good. <laughs> high, high recommendation from me to my everlasting sorrow and shame. <laughs> no, I, I'm going to strongly recommend it too. And I, but I'm also just going to go off on a tangent with the the moment where I, this movie first started to win me over was in the credits. It has special appearance by Barbara Crampton. And I'm like, wow, if this movie is like, you know, giving her a special call out for just a tiny, tiny cameo, it's like these people must have good 80s horror movie taste. So, because yeah. I, she's, you know, she was in Reanimator. She was, uh, you know, also in From Beyond, so on, which were two movies. And Reanimator, I think we're doing next, right? That's our next exactly. movie. That's one reason I, I also oh. thought of opening up a segue. Yeah. We'll get Look at that segue. So, so yeah. So, professional, Adam. For me, yeah, I like, you. like like usual. I, I mean, I, I was older than you when I first saw it. I was probably in high school, I would imagine. Um, but I, I, I remember almost looking down on it a little bit because I, when, when you, when you're a horror fan and you're young, you carve out your territory versus your friend's territory. And my friend Evan was really into movies like puppet master. And I was kind of like puppet masters. Kind of, you like movies without puppets. I like, I like, you know, higher, <laughs> higher level, you know, like, I don't know what I was thinking, but I thought I, I had different kinds of movies that I like. And, uh, um, but watching it now, I was like, this is a really good movie. Like I, I was really kind of, I was doing a disservice to myself being that prejudice against the movie just because, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I, I, re- I really enjoyed it this time around. And I, uh, I, I also, I, I realized just how some of the, I, and I, and this is something I'm realizing doing this with you guys now is just how good some of these movies were that were coming out at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're watching movies from all over. We, we see movies from the, you know, the 30s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. 
But something about movies that are made in like that 80s to early 90s period, the horror movies from that period, are, there's a lot of real gems. Um, and uh, and they just have a certain style and tone that you don't, you wouldn't get in another time period. So I, I don't think, I, I, I noticed that there is a remake of Puppet Master. I have not seen it. I, I'd be curious if it would be maybe too serious and miss some of the humor from it um but i would like to give it a chance though i am i i i i, I have not uh, i i i think uh i i i have not really seen many modern remakes of horror movies that have uh given me confidence that that it's going to be um but you know but if you guys want if there's one that you guys feel is uh is worthy of note feel free to mention it for sure um i'll have to think about it because usually whenever they reboot a horror movie, it's one that was already previously rebooted. Yeah. You know, like they did the thing again. And I'm just like, we already we already did this, folks. Yeah, I guess we're, we are into our second phase of reboots at this point, too, which is because yeah. it didn't they do that. Didn't Texas Chainsaw Massacre get rebooted yeah, twice? Texas too? Chainsaw Massacre, uh, Halloween got rebooted and it got a sequel to the reboot. <laughs> yeah. And then they did another reboot. Halloween is honestly getting hard to keep track of at this point with all of its yeah. reboots and sequels and uh yeah i i i i i definitely um i remember i, I count I, evil dead 2 an evil dead because evil dead 2 is kind of a remake of the first one with more comedy and there's also a reboot well of evil dead. so evil dead yeah. okay so here's here's the thing evil dead 2 i think is more of a a recap of the first one and okay, then the, and then have. yeah because okay. because all that stuff that happened in the first movie they kind of zip through really quickly and then yeah. it slows down and you get to the meat of the movie but it's still given its due so it's kind of part of the and it's also if i remember it's new it's new shot footage it's not like they just give you the original footage from the first film so it's very confusing but uh um the the last reboot that i remember actually seeing was the friday the 13th reboot and i had very mixed feelings about that movie yeah. um oh and um never on elm street got a reboot too yeah. uh wow a lot i of couldn't bring myself i mean i'm yeah, sorry I, but if robert england is right. not freddy krueger that is just not it's not a nightmare on elm street to me um, yeah sorry <laughs> it's uh I mean, I don't know. Did they, did they do a good job with it? Because I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm very prejudiced towards you know movies in that I, way. I do like the guy um, that they cast as Kruger in this one. He's the guy that played um, uh, 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 Rorschach in The Watchmen. I forget his yeah, name. Yeah, he was also the terror in the new Tick series. He was great. He, as was, he was fantastic as that. It's one of the few parts of that series that I unambiguously enjoyed. Yes. Um, yeah. Exactly. Well, it, it's it's I'm probably like. Um, I'm probably kind of like like my old uncle or something from when I was a kid. Where if it's not Burgess Meredith playing the penguin, then I don't want you know that, that kind yeah, of a thing. No, I get it. Is it Jackie Earl Haley? Is that his name? Jake Jackie Earl Haley. He was also in uh yeah for for old people like me and Brendan. He was one of the kids in the in the uh, Bad News Bears. So oh my god, you know I oh, hate shit. the Bad News Bears with a passion. I, 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 my, I my mom loved that poison, movie. poison you against this guy just one yeah. step more, I, and I succeeded. I, I really, yeah, I, I don't know what it is about the Bad News Bears. I think because it was always on, like, when we were camping or on vacation somewhere, and it just, uh -huh. I just I never had any special affection for I don't really hate it, but I just, I've just always been kind of indifferent to it. I don't yeah, I, I just can't stand that movie. You know, if there's a movie I'd like to punch in the face... 
that would be the movie. Wow. Um, yeah. There, there are so many more punchable movies in my repertoire. It's it's not that it's a good movie. I've seen it one time to give you an idea. That's uh, that's what's so bad about it. It's not that it's it's not like all horrible. It's just good enough that it like <laughs> do you know what I mean that you sit in for it and you're like, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I watching the bet? You know, it's that kind of a movie. Um, I don't know. I, I've I, I have very very think, strong feelings. I've had movies like that where they're not necessarily. Oh, Boondock Saints was my version of that because I never oh, okay. really, I never greatly enjoyed Boondock Saints. I liked like one of the characters in it because he was really Italian and he was a screw up and he was like really. Oh, the funny man, the funny man. Yeah, yeah. I remember <laughs> his name now because it's been right. a little while since. Thankfully, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. But when it came out, all of my friends, it was their favorite movie, and I saw that one. Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels, and all the Guy Ritchie stuff, and mm-hmm. it just kept coming back to Boondock Saints for some reason. That one and V for Vendetta stuck around in those well, that, groups. Those yeah, were all the girlfriends' like, favorite movie was Boondock Saints, and I had a similar I can't reaction. See it I was more like, than once or twice, and I'm like, okay, I there's nothing to this movie. Yeah, it was part yeah, of the whole Tarantino emulation that was going on. After, yeah, you know. Absolutely. But I have to say, I, I did like Boondock Saints. I think it's it's. I, I haven't seen it in a while, and I have a feeling if I saw it again, to like tomorrow, there'd be some cringy things in there for sure. There's. Um, I don't even know if it's cringy. It's just there's more to criticize now. Yeah. Maybe we're noticing these things more now. But like, yeah, it's it's not good. It's not terrible. It's just not good. It's it's got the same. Let's jump back and forth through time that Pulp Fiction had, except without any yeah. of the skill. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got needlessly exaggerated and cartoonish characters again, Pulp Fiction, but without the skill. Uh, it's but it's just, got Billy Conley of... as a hitman, and you know it's got it's got all the it's got uh it's got Willem Dafoe as this really peculiar detective character. You know, it's got all these little things that I really enjoyed about I, it. I do love well, that yeah. Willem Dafoe performance. Willem Dafoe, yeah, Willem Dafoe is good in anything. So it's like that doesn't that doesn't and it's elevate got, the movie. And it's got the like, funny man. I, I feel like the funny man redeems that movie because with that character, you know, they're not taking themselves that like like literally like the like when the um like when they kill the 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 head of the mafia family it's so ridiculous right it's so mm. it's so over the top and so stylized that uh i don't know the other thing about that movie is that's kind of a movie that's sort of like about movies themselves and about entertainment like they're the whole thing is those characters are doing everything because they've seen it in tv and so it's <laughs> it's like this the, the the everything that's cringy is kind of, i don't know it feels like intentional do you know what i mean like uh but it's been, it has been ages. It has been, and I feel like I feel like uh, there was a sequel that came out not too long ago, and I couldn't get through yeah, the first I'll, I'll twenty minutes. Same. Yeah, yeah, same thing. I watched the first twenty minutes, and I was like, "This is wretched." Yeah, the sequel uh, is awful. The sequel was terrible. Um, but I don't know. But also, it, it takes place in Boston, so maybe I have a you know uh, like a little warmth in my heart for it because of the location. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to get your address after the podcast to send you a real Boston crime movie. So, is it called The Departed? No, <laughs> I just saw The Departed again the other day. I had, uh, I had some thoughts friend, about the that. Friends of Eddie Coyle. Oh, okay, yeah, that's you know what's funny. That's the movie that everybody in Boston recommends when I start talking to them about crime movies. Have you have you seen that's the, that's the movie that they bring up? That's, what, that's I'm gonna yeah. send it to you because I know yeah. you're not gonna watch it otherwise. Yeah. But yeah. people have recommended it. Yeah, so yeah, that, that's exactly why I have not watch it. I, I 
So that movie has been recommended to me like consistently for the past 20 years at least. Uh-huh. And that's been, uh-huh. you know, so. Um, We're going to force the issue. Yeah. <laughs> Watch the movie already. So, uh, but anyways, yeah. So, so we really kind of got off topic here, but. Either way, we're going to come back next time and we'll be talking about The Reanimator, which is one of my favorite movies from my childhood, but I have not seen it in a long, long time. So I don't have any idea how well it holds up. I just remember watching it at my friend Jason's house and going apeshit over this movie. It was it was just one of these films that like, you knew that you were you were not going to have this experience again. Like this was the first time watching a movie like this and the last time watching a movie like this. So uh, with that, we'll let you go. And again, Puppet Master came out in 89. Um, I didn't find it anywhere free online. I had to, I had to rent it on Amazon. So Uh, it's worth your money though, guys. Uh It really is. Uh Just just get yourself a nice Chianti or in my case, delicious eggnog brandy and, and just, Light some candles and enjoy your evening. Yeah, it's Chianti, really a treat. Chianti and Puppet Master are two things that I always, <laughs> I always think of going together. So I think that's I think that's a, a very <laughs> good suggestion. Um, so all right, well, with that we'll we'll head out and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.